wait and wash for seven days if you touch a dead animal or a dead body or you know you don't have to you don't have to do those cleansing rituals and those purification rituals and those things to be right with God or to be able to come into his presence because Jesus has fulfilled those things and civil law is the the uh, civil and criminal code of ancient Israel under the theocracy of God. So we looked at all those in depth before we began the, uh, the Ten Commandments. And so we're going to see those different kinds of laws spread out all through Exodus, all through Leviticus. Um, and we looked at the difference. So uh, we did that mainly so when, you know, the, the big attack today on the Bible is if you believe homosexuality is wrong or one of the moral laws given uh, at God's nature and creation is wrong, then you have to not eat shellfish either. And we looked at the difference between those laws, between the moral law, ceremonial law, and the civil law. So I'm going to tell you just right up front, there are all three elements, the moral law, civil law, ceremonial law, in the Sabbath command. And I don't just say that because I don't like the way we apply it. I say that because of what the New Testament writers, the inspired apostles, say about the Sabbath, what Jesus says about the Sabbath in the Gospels. And so it informs how we read this command and what it looks like to obey this command. So I'm going to tell you right up front, before we even start our discussion, I probably am not going to have all the answers to all the questions that are going to satisfy you know, every question you may have on this subject, but I'm going to do my best to explain how the Sabbath applies, this command applies, and some of the biggest questions that, um, that usually come up. Okay? Y'all with me? All right. Let's read the text. Do what? Okay. Thanks for that. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner, the foreigner who is within your gates. For six days, because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's the entirety of the fourth command. And <clears throat> the fourth command is, you know, the, the last of what's called the first table of the law. First table of the law is the commands uh, to honor God, worship God, our response to God. Second table of the law is our response to one another. Don't steal, don't murder, don't, you know, all those things. And so the fourth command, in the fourth command, we're basically told in a broad general sense that God is to also be Lord over our time. So he governs our work, he governs our rest, and he calls us to regularly worship. So in the first command, he tells us who we are to worship, he alone. In the second command, he tells us how we are, how we are to worship, and in, uh, and the third command as well, with his by his by use, the use of his name, and the fourth command, he basically tells us when or regulates our regular worship. He governs the work and the rest, and he calls us to regular worship. And he says, six days you'll work, one day is set apart as holy to the Lord, on which you will rest from your work. Now, the first thing I want you to see in this command before we get to answering the questions you may have and, and what it looks like in the New Covenant, 
um, is that this command reminds us that work is not a bad thing. We are made to work. That doesn't mean when I say work, I'm not necessarily talking about your profession, what you get paid to do. You know, uh, mother's work, husband's work, father's work. We all, I mean, we all have a capacity that we're doing that we're called to do by God. So what we're talking about is work in general, and it's not a bad thing. We often forget that work was given before the fall in creation. Adam was charged with keeping and guarding the garden uh, before the fall ever happened. It's only after the curse of the fall, sin entered the world, that there is toil and suffering in the work that we do. When the new heavens and the new earth come for all eternity, like it or not, there will be work. It'll be real life. It'll be life lived just like it is here on a new heavens and a new earth, uh, except we'll have spiritual, perfect, perfected bodies. We will be with our Lord in His very presence, and life will be you know, perfect for eternity with no curse of the fall, no sin, no separation, no effects of the fall, no death, all of the things that we talked about before. So there is, work's not a bad thing, but there is to be one day set apart for work to cease. That's what the word Sabbath means. Shabbat means to cease or to stop. And here we come to the moral aspect of the law. Remember, the moral law is the law of God that abides forever, never changes for every culture, every person, every time. The Sabbath command is not just a relic of the Mosaic law to be thrown away in the new covenant. The Sabbath command didn't come into existence at Sinai through Moses. We saw it when we were walking through Exodus. It was instituted uh, to Israel specifically before Sinai. Remember when God gave the manna? He said, you gather manna six days. On the sixth day, you gather twice the manna because there will be none given on the seventh day. That day is to be holy to the Lord. So that principle was given to us before the Mosaic Law. And even here in the command, in the very verses, we're told that this command, this Sabbath command, is a creation ordinance. It's established by God at the very beginning of creation before the law of Moses was ever given. In the giving of this command, we're told that God himself set the pattern when he created everything. Six days, he says, you're going to keep this command and you're going to you know, not work on the seventh day, on the Sabbath day. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth, sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. So the, the because, the reason to keep this command goes back to the creation. It is not uh, uh, based in simply the Mosaic law. It was given in the Mosaic law, but it's because of the pattern God has set himself in creation. And as the image bearers of God, that means it's for all humanity. It's not just for the Israelites under the Old Covenant. Even the Israelites here in, at Sinai, when this command was given, they were told, it's not just you who rests. It's all your kids, all your family, even the foreigners that are in your gates, even the animals are to rest on the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath is not just for Israel. It's not just a day of rest for Israel. It's a creation ordinance for all mankind. And as a moral law reflecting the nature of God, we know that it abides forever for all people, for all cultures at all times. But it's not just a day to rest. It's also a day that is to be sanctified, to be made holy to God. We are to sanctify it. He said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Meaning, what does holy mean? 
Huh? Without sin? Yeah, we're going to be hard-pressed if we don't sin on the Sabbath. That's going to be a tough ask. Yeah, it means that we're setting this day apart for God. So it's not just, hey, I take off work that day and I sit home and do nothing. It is we set this day apart to be devoted to God. It's a day given to Him, a day remembered. That's the specific command. Remember this day. Remember the Sabbath day. It's a day remembered for Him, a day every week to remind ourselves, to remind mankind that all blessings come from the Lord, that all glory and worship belong to the Lord, and that we as fallen men and women, even in Christ, we are wholly dependent upon the Lord. So it is a day, and I think when it says remember, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but when he says remember the Sabbath, he, he, he's talking about not just... Well, I'll get to it when I get to it. I ain't got there yet. Any questions so far? I know you have lots of questions that we haven't got to yet, but... It, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a trying day. I'm sorry I'm kind of scattered-brained. So I guess we'll just start with the first big question, right? Everybody wants to ask, as Christians in Christ, what can we do and what, can we not, what do we have to not do on the Sabbath, right? So that's what we want. We'll get to which day is the Sabbath. Don't worry, I'm getting there. Application of the Sabbath command for Christians has been debated among godly people for centuries. Uh, even the Reformers during the time of the Protestant Reformation, uh, these godly men who stood arm in arm saying, you know, we believe in the gospel and we're going back to the Word of God, even they disagreed amongst each other about the application to the Sabbath. And, and so theologians still disagree today. And so if, you picked up, I, I have a book in my library called From, From Sabbath to Lord's Day. And it's basically a compilation of essays by uh, scholars and professors and theologians about the Sabbath day. And they all disagree with each other about what, what the application of the Sabbath day is. So the reason is, the reason there's so much controversy and so much complexity to the Sabbath command and why people disagree all over the place is because there is an aspect of the moral law in the Sabbath. We are still to keep the day holy to the Lord. But there's also an aspect of the ceremonial law in the Sabbath as well that is fulfilled in Christ. So in the Gospels, the Pharisees are consistently trying to catch Jesus in Sabbath violation. You know, we walk through that in John and we've seen it all, all through there. Uh, they accused him of being a lawbreaker when he healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And then when he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath. And when the disciples were walking through the field picking grain on the, on the Sabbath, they, they continually tried to catch him in a Sabbath violation. And time and time again, Jesus said that it was right to do good good, to do acts of mercy on the Sabbath. It was right to do what is right on the Sabbath. He even said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then he said the Son of Man himself is Lord over the Sabbath. So when we talk about the application of what we should do and should not do on the Sabbath, we need to be real careful about coming up with our own list of do's and don'ts on the Sabbath. Um, it's easy to make the Sabbath a burden when you come up with a list of things you shouldn't do on the Sabbath when it was intended to be a gift. So I'm a little hesitant to say, 
yes or no, you can't cut your grass on, on the Sabbath, on Sunday. I'm a little hesitant to say that you can't go grocery shopping or you can't do your laundry on the day that's set apart for the Lord. But at the same time, you need to understand, need to see that this command intends for us to have a break in the rhythm of our work, a break in the rhythm of our lives to focus ourselves on the Lord and to rest. So there is a way that we do violate this command and sin against God. Um, This command intends, by saying remember the Sabbath, it intends for us to structure our week around God's day. To structure our week around it, not to structure our week leading up to it and say, oh, I got all this stuff I got to get done before Monday, so I need to get it done on Sunday. No, we we are to remember this day. And we are to remember it in such a way that we keep this day holy. That's what remembering it means. So the big question everybody asks is, so is it wrong to work on your house on the Lord's Day? Well, it could be. Is it wrong to cut grass? It, it, It could be. But like all the commandments that we've seen and that we're going to see, it is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart, just like when Jesus said, you think that you've kept the command not to commit adultery because you've never cheated on your spouse, but I say to you that if you lust in your heart, you've broken the command. So the reality is you can't take a a wooden, literal, legalistic sense on either side. So you can't say, if I cut my grass and I do the laundry on Sunday, I have broken the... you, can't, you can for your own heart, but you can't say somebody else has broken the Sabbath by doing laundry on the Sunday. But again, you can't say that you've kept the Sabbath just by showing up to church on Sunday either. See what I mean? It's about your heart being devoted to the Lord, resting in the Lord, resting from the patterns of your work, resting in worship to Him and devotion to Him, a day set apart for Him. When you start making a list that everybody else has to abide by, sooner or later that list is going to bite you in the rear end. Uh, You can't do that without inconsistency in your own life. Let me give you an example. So this is what happens when you start saying, okay, you can't do this, but we can do this. We can do this, we can do this. Sooner or later you're going to get whittled down to, can you cook a meal on Sunday? Can you cook a meal on the Sabbath? And this is where the Jews got. You can't even turn lights on. You can't turn lights on. You can't ride. You can't push buttons on elevators. You can't walk a certain distance. You can't. They got all the way down to all of these laws because of the inconsistency of saying, you know, you can't heal or you can't apply medicine or you can't, you know, uh, do an act of mercy because it's work on the Sabbath. And therefore, you know, we've got all of these other laws. When you start making a list, sooner or later, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna find yourself in a circle so small, only you're standing in it. Um, walking for distances, doing good. You know, if somebody comes over and their plumbing has broken and their house is flooding and they plead for your help on the Sabbath, is it wrong to go help? Is it wrong to do that work? It, it, to draw a hard line that says God says don't do any of this or any of that or this kind of work or that kind of work. No work, period. Let's just say, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I don't like all this nuance. I don't like all of this generality. I don't like all of this wishy-washy, riding the fence, back and forth deal. So we're just going to say no work, period. It's a sin to do anything that constitutes any kind of work on the Sabbath day, on the Lord's day. Are you going out to lunch? Are you causing that waitress to sin, those cooks to sin by working on that day? Are you watching all them men in shoulder pads breaking the Sabbath day? Sooner or later, when you start making lists, you're going to get bit by your list. You can't do it consistently. Um, we, we, don't, we don't want to condone sin, and we don't want to partake in other people's sin. So even, even you say, I don't, I don't go out to eat, and I don't, I don't watch football. You know, Well, okay, do you watch TV? You know, There's a lot of people at that network working that day. You know, should you should should the people at the gas station be working when you stop to get gas on Sunday? Should the police work on Sunday? I bet if you get robbed, you hope they working on Sunday. Should the firemen work on Sunday? So as soon as you start saying, OK, not this, but this sooner or later, it's going to come and it's going to get you. Um, what happens when we start doing that is we make the Sabbath a burden which is what Jesus said the Sabbath was not intended to be. The Sabbath is meant to not be burdensome. It's meant to be a blessing. It's meant to be a gift. So we need to be real careful about drawing hard lines. But make sure you hear me. That doesn't mean that the command is thrown out the window. You can sin against God by not keeping the Sabbath, by not keeping it holy, by not devoting it to the Lord, by not worshiping on that day, by not devoting that whole day to the Lord. You can sin against God by not resting on that day. You can do that. So I'm not saying, well, now we can't draw a hard line, so we just throw the whole thing out the window. No, sir. I'm saying I can't draw a hard line for you. And you can't draw a hard line for me. We need to be real careful because there is a ceremonial aspect that is fulfilled in Christ in this command. That's what makes it complex. There's a moral aspect that is abiding forever, and there's a ceremonial aspect that's fulfilled in Christ. That's why texts like Romans chapter 14 says, One person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes, observes it in honor of the Lord. And then he talks about eating, you know, eating certain kinds of meats or meat sacrificed to idols and those things. And Colossians chapter 2, we read this a few weeks ago. It says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And the writer of Hebrews shows us in Hebrews chapter 4 that the rest which the Sabbath points to is fulfilled in salvation and rest from our works which will be perfected in the new heavens and the new earth. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9, he's talking about entering the rest of the promised land that the Israelites were promised and how they didn't enter it because of their unbelief. It says, so then there remains, this is a New Testament author after the resurrection of Jesus saying, there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And this is how he explains it. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. He's talking about salvation. And then he says, let us therefore, it's amazing, let us work. Let us strive to enter the rest. 
Let us strive to enter the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And ultimately, he's talking about they didn't enter the rest because of their lack of faith. And he's talking about the lack of faith being not trusting in Jesus, not entering the rest. And ultimately, this rest that remains for us is the perfect rest in the new heavens and the new earth. So because the Sabbath command, and we know this from the inspired authors of the New Testament, because the Sabbath command has elements of both the moral law, in which it is abiding still today, and the ceremonial law, in which we understand it is, in a sense, fulfilled in Jesus, we understand that the new, in the New Covenant, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. But that does not mean we throw away the command to rest and worship one day a week, one out of seven. The reason is because the need to rest, as the command tells us, and as it's explained in the Old Testament, because, you know, we're, because it's the pattern that God set for us at creation, the need to rest and the need to be reminded of our dependence upon God is going to be necessary as long as we're in these fleshly bodies. As long as we're in this fallen world, we're, we're going to need that, that day, number one, to keep us sane so we don't, you know, we don't spend all of our time working and making work our God and making you know, uh, striving for this or that our God. But we take a day, and it's hard to do for some people that really enjoy their work or are really devoted to their work. It's hard to do to take that day. It requires faith. God is going to provide me what I need. I don't have to do it on this day. And so it is necessary for us, even as New Covenant believers, as long as we're in this flesh, as long as we're in this fallen world, that we have to have that regular rest, that regular worship, and it's the pattern that God Himself set for creation. So ultimately, long story short, the Sabbath day, the Lord's day, must be different. Our rhythm of life must be suspended one day a week, to honor God, to worship God, to rest for our own sake, but also to rest in the provision of God, knowing that He provides all that we need and we're dependent upon Him. It is a day given to the Lord. And when you ask specific questions about what can I do and what can I not do, I think that my rule that I gave to you last week applies here. So you can't, you, can't act, you can't say, well, Joe's out outside cutting his grass and it's Sunday. What a heathen. He's sinning against Maybe he likes it. Maybe it's restful for him to cut the grass. You know? Maybe he's doing it in honor of the Lord. I don't know. Maybe he's thanking God for the beautiful day. I, who knows? You can't do that. But you can judge your own heart. And so I think my rule applies where I, I said to you, if there's any doubt in your mind then there is no doubt. If your conscience informed by the Word of God is pricked about doing this or doing that on the Sabbath day, on the day meant to be set apart for the Lord, do not start justifying it. Do not start negotiating with your own conscience. If your conscience is pricked, it's wrong. It is sin and don't do it. Questions, comments? Yeah, your body tells you to rest, but some people don't listen. Workaholics all over the place. Workaholics all over the place. And pastors fall into that category as well. Yep. Yes. I grew up in a community 
-hmm. Yep, it used to be that way. She said, yeah, she said that she grew up a long time ago in little, sorry, you know what I mean. So that's, not a long time ago. Oh my gosh. I told you I'm not, I'm not thinking straight tonight. So the reason I said that is because you, you find that a lot of America in the 50s and 60s was closed down on Sundays, like a lot of towns. So, you know, toward the... Yeah, the Jew- Right, the Jewish the Jewish people still celebrate Sabbath on Saturday, so their stores were open. Yeah, I understand. Uh, but even in those days, when we can point back to those days when all the stores were closed, police were working, firemen were working, electric company people were working. If the poles went down, hospitals were working. I mean, you you, you can you can go back and and you can go back, and if you even if you say, I wish we would get back to what we're there's still, I mean, is it wrong? Is it wrong to be a doctor on call on the Sabbath? I, I, you, sooner or later, you're, sooner or later, when you start saying, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do, you're going to get bit by your own list. You're going to get pushed into a corner by your, own, by your own rules. But please hear me, please hear me. That does not mean that the Sabbath is nothing. It doesn't mean that a day of rest, a day of worship is nothing doesn't mean that we throw it away. It doesn't mean that we do whatever we want to do on this. It does not mean that. There is a moral aspect to this command that abides for all time until Jesus returns and there's a new heavens and new earth when every day will, be, it will work, but it won't be toil and labor and work because the fall will be, will be removed. So do not hear me saying, because I can't give you an authoritative list of what you can and can't do, that I'm saying, well, the Sabbath's just gone. Now we're in the new covenant. Don't No, that's, that's wrong. That's wrong. And if, you're, if your conscience pricks you, and if your conscience being informed by the Word of God. So if, you're, if your conscience says, well, I can work on Sunday just like any other day. It's just another day. If that's your conscience, your conscience is in error, and you need to get into the Word of God, and you let, let it inform your your conscience. But if you say, you know, this is, this is the day that we set aside for worship and we go and worship and we spend time with the family and it's a pretty day and I want to go out and cut the grass and work in the garden. Some of y'all like that junk. I don't see how that's fun at all. But <laughs> if, that's, if that's what you like and that's restful for you, you, you go ahead, you know, go ahead. There are, there are also things of necessity that have to be done. On Sabbath day, that's what Jesus was saying when he said, you know, if you're, you, you're walking and you find your brother's donkey in a ditch, you know, on the Sabbath, you don't leave him in a ditch, you, you help him. If somebody needs to be healed on the Sabbath, you know, that was one of the big Jewish laws that you, you don't heal, you don't give any medicine, you don't do any kind of on the Sabbath. Jesus said, no, 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 we, we do good on the Sabbath. My father is working until now and I'm working, he said. So Jesus did works, if you want to put it that way, his miracles, his healings, his preaching, his teaching on, on the Sabbath. And so there is, there, is, um, there is a reality that it still abides 
and it's still a moral law, it's still an actual thing, and it's still, you can sin against God by not keeping the Sabbath, by not structuring your week. This is the way I, I explain it. You structure your week around the Sabbath day, not every other day. Sabbath, the Sabbath day is not just, oh, it's an extra day, it's Sunday. We, well, we got to go to church. We're going to go to church and then we're just going to hang out. No, no. You, you structure your week on this day for it is the Lord's day, about, about this day. So we do this. We take, there's, a, there's a continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there's also a difference from the Old Testament to the New Testament, knowing that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So we still keep one day in seven, holy to the Lord, as the pattern God gave in creation. But we do realize that we have our perfect rest, our perfect Sabbath, fulfilled Sabbath, if you will, in Jesus. He said, he said come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Now, the question that you're all wanting to ask me is what? Yeah, which day is it, right? Saturday or Sunday? What do you think before I tell you? Huh? It is Sunday, and I do work. And the priests and the Levites in the Old Testament worked on the Sabbath as well. Indeed. That doesn't mean that I, sh- I'm, I'm, I am uh, exempt from taking a Sabbath. It just means that on that Sunday, that's not it. Does that make sense? I have to take rest. I have to take a day. When I, a day holy to the Lord for me includes the worship that we have together, but it also includes my own devotion, my own worship with God. Not writing sermons, not, not writing Bible studies, not preparing to give y'all anything just about me, just about God speaking to me, me and His Word, me in prayer. Um, you know, I'll spend the whole day doing that, but a day of rest, a day devoted to the Lord, a day... You know, so yeah, I do understand that. So the question we're all asking is which day, right? The command is pretty clear, isn't it, in Exodus? Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a, sa- is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So that would mean Sabbath is a Saturday. Seventh-day Adventists will tell you that the worship of Sunday worship is the mark of the beast. So if you're worshiping on Sunday, you know, you're... Still lost. So why do we observe Sunday as the Lord's Day, our Christian Sabbath, if you will, rather than Saturday, which is technically the seventh day of the week? That's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But it all, that's true. But it, sorry, go ahead. Who else was? Somebody was going to say something. No. Okay. No, it says in Scripture he rose from the dead on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, first day of the week. So here, here's the thing. Um, here in Exodus, I'm, I'm going to give you just the big theological snapshot, and it's probably not going to satisfy every why question you have, but this is why. This is the reason, whether it fulfills your, uh, completes your, you know, I'm glad Evan's not here because he, he's very analytical and, so in Exodus, what is the reason that one day in seven is taken for rest? What's given as the reason? Verse 11, creation. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. That's why this day is to be remembered. It's why it is to be holy to the Lord. There's another reason given in Deuteronomy. The word Deuteronomy is actually the second giving of the law, in case you didn't know that. In Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15, he's giving the law again as they're about to enter into the promised land. And he says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor. Same thing we read before. Do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work. Uh, you or your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, any of your livestock, sojourner within your gates, same as we heard, uh, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And then we're given another reason why we keep this day holy. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So what are the two reasons the Old Testament gives us for keeping the Sabbath holy in the Old Testament? Creation and, and, ex- and redemption, redeeming them from Egypt. Okay? So those two reasons, creation, redemption. When Jesus raised from the dead on the first day of the week, He inaugurated the new creation. And He gave us a new redemption that is both better than the fallen creation and better than the redemption from Egypt. You are part of a new creation. Paul says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. And you have been redeemed from a greater slavery from sin. The resurrection of Christ was the most, bar none, radical event of God in all of human history. It was the invasion of the kingdom of God into the fallen creation to redeem it. And a new pattern of creation was formed. Jesus raised from the dead on the first day of the week. All the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus were on the first day of the week. Pentecost was on the first day of the week when the Spirit was poured out. It was on the first day of the week. And all of this was not lost on the apostles or the early church. The church met for worship, the Gentile church mainly. Now the Jewish church still observed the Sabbath, but also met on the Lord's Day. But the Gentile church didn't observe the Sabbath. They met for worship on the first day of the week, even in the Scriptures, not just from tradition. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul's telling them about the collection that he's coming to take for the saints in Jerusalem. And he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, so you also do. The same thing I told all those churches in Galatia, I'm telling you, Corinth, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside in store. He's talking about when they meet together for worship, they are to put something aside in store so there won't be a collection when he comes. In Acts chapter 20, we went through it in the book of Acts, when Paul healed Eutychus when he fell out of the window. It said they met to break bread, do the Lord's Supper, and to hear the apostle teach on the first day of the week. And that's when Eutychus was raised from the dead. So even in the New Testament, we see the early church meeting on the first day of the week to worship because of this new pattern. The Sabbath is to be remembered and kept holy because of creation and redemption. And now we have a greater new creation and a greater redemption. And that's why the apostles themselves of Jesus 
began to worship on the first day, began to set that day apart as the Lord's day. At the very birth of the church, they began gathering for worship on the first day of the week because they're part of a new creation and they're remembering a greater redemption. In fact, they began calling Sunday the Lord's Day. You've heard me say that two or three times tonight. And it is called that, it's called that one time in the New Testament, but it is prolific in all of the early church's writings, even first century writings. Irenaeus lived at the, uh, uh, the end of the first century, and it's all through his writings called the first, the, the first day of the week is the Lord's Day. There's a, uh, a book, it, it's, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, it's called, it, it's, it's, a, it's a manual for, for, for Christian worship and Christian practice. It's called the Didache, which is uh, toward the end of the first century, the beginning of the second century. And it talks about Sunday as the Lord's Day. You know where in the New Testament it's called the Lord's Day? Anybody know? I was in the Spirit on... Yeah, Revelation 1.10. John, and Revelation is written, well, most people think it's written toward the end of the first century. I tend to give it an earlier date. But he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And what's significant about this, the Lord's Day here, it's a very interesting word. I didn't know this until this week. I found this out. John takes the noun for Lord. He takes the word Lord and he turns it out. I don't know if John does it, but somebody did it and John is using it. He takes the word Lord, the noun, and he turns it into an adjective. And he calls it the Lord's day. This is not the same as the day of the Lord in the Old Testament. You see over and over again the day of judgment, the day of the Lord's coming, the day of the... That's not the day of the Lord. It is, it is a new concept, the Lord's day. The only other place that this adjective, the Lord's day is used in the New Testament is in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, where Paul calls the ordinance the Lord's Supper. You see the correlation there? It's the supper that belongs to the Lord. And we partake in the supper as His supper. And in the same way, if you transfer the meaning of that, which is not always the best thing to do when you're, when you're looking up word studies, but I think it applies in this case, when you transfer that to the Lord's day, it is the day that belongs to the Lord. So when you say things like, well, Sunday's the only day I got for myself. That's, that's scary to me. That is the Lord's day. That is the day that belongs to the Lord. Um, we, understand, we understand it that way. So the bottom line in all of this, and you probably have questions and we'll take questions here in just a second, is the principle of the law still holds. In fact, I read a couple of people this week that said, if you go back to the actual command in Exodus, it says six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. The, some take that to mean, and this is, this is valid, I, I don't know, I haven't thought it through completely as to whether I agree totally, but it's not saying the seventh day of the week. It's just saying six days you work, one day you don't. You know, so it's, it's giving a principle, not necessarily a timeline during the week. And that very well could be true. The principle of the law of the Sabbath 
still holds today and will as long as we're in these fallen bodies. One day in seven is to be given to the Lord. And the first day of the week was, I don't want to say co-opted, but it, the Sabbath, the worship, the devotion to the Lord on that day was moved to Sunday at the beginning of the church, when Jesus' appearances were all on the first day of the week, when Pentecost was on the first day of the week, when the early church, under the leadership of the apostles, the inspired apostles, was given on the first day of the week. This day that the apostles set apart as the Christian Sabbath, if you will, because it rightly points us back to the new creation given in the resurrection and the full deliverance from sin given in the resurrection. So to summarize all this, and then we'll take questions, the civil aspect of the command has expired with Israel. When I say civil, I mean the punishments. You break the Sabbath, you get stoned to death. You know, those kind of things. Those expired with national Israel. The ceremonial aspect of the Sabbath has been fulfilled in Christ. He is our Sabbath. The writer of Hebrews tells us. And Paul, in two different books, tells us not to let anybody judge us in regards to Sabbath, new moons, festivals, those kind of things. So there is a sense that Jesus is our Sabbath rest, and the Sabbath ultimately points to the rest we have in Him because we no longer please God by our works. We no longer, uh, we no longer strive to please God by our works. Let's say it that way. We no longer have merit with God or earn anything by our works. Uh, we rest in the gospel. And so it is the fulfillment of that Sabbath. But there is also an aspect of moral law in the command in the sense that one day in seven is to be a day of worship, a day of rest, a day of devotion to the Lord. Because even though we are saved, even though we are in Christ and we are perfect for all eternity, we still live in fallen flesh that needs to rest and fallen flesh that needs to be reminded every single week that we are dependent on a holy God who gives us all blessings. We're dependent on a holy God who gives us all things and provides for all our needs. And so the Sabbath is not just a day where, whoo, I take a break and I recharge. It's a day meant for us to remind ourselves, to remember every single week that our God is in control, that He is our provision, and that He supplies all our needs. Okay? Questions? I honestly thought it would be a lot of questions. <laughs> that is a very complex command, and the only, I, want, I want you to see this as well. So we, we talked about the first, second, and third command. This is the last command in the first table of the law. Um, and it, all of these are about our, our interaction with God, our relationship with God, our response to God in worship. Um, this, command, I, this command is complex and controversial because of the way that the Holy Spirit inspired it to be spoken of in the New Testament. So I don't just come to this command and I say, well... You know, we meet on Sunday and we go out to eat on Sunday and we cut our grass. So I need to find a way to get around this command. That's not if 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 the New Testament authors had not pointed us to Jesus through this, pointed us to the observance of this in the way that they did as far as uh, Jesus and his fulfillment and all those things. I would be saying, just like all the other commands, no, it's hard, fast, in stone. This is what you do, and you, if you don't like it, tough. 
But because God inspired the authors of the New Testament, the apostles and those connected with the apostles to speak of the Sabbath in this way, and Jesus spoke of the Sabbath this way while he was on earth, um, we have to take that into account when we're looking at this text in Exodus. And what we see is clearly understandable if we understand what we talked about with the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law, that there are moral laws that are forever binding. There are ceremonial laws that are fulfilled in Christ. And there are civil laws which are uh, the general equity of the law and the principle in the law is still a reflection of God's nature and should be, should be practiced by new covenant believers. But the actual law is no longer in effect because it was for national Israel. Uh, if you weren't here for that, an example of that is we're told in the Old Testament that we, are not, we're, we, we must build a parapet, a fence around the roof of your house. Uh, we don't do that. And the reason they did that was because no air conditioning in the cool night, they hung out on the roof of their house. And so the principle of that law is you make your home safe for the visitors that come, for the people that come, whatever that looks like. So we hold to the principle, the general equity of that law, but we, we're not building fences around our roof just because the wooden literal interpretation of the text says that we should build a fence around our roof. Questions, comments, cries of outrage. Okay, I'm going to repeat it one more time just because we got 10 more minutes. The Sabbath command is not thrown out the window. You can, and many do today as Christians, sin against God by not keeping the Lord's day holy, not sanctifying it, not resting on it, not honoring God on it not using it as a remembrance of who God is. Many people sin against God today by not doing that. And at the same time, I can't provide you with an authoritative God-given list of the do's and the don'ts. It is a matter of your heart. Keep the day holy. Keep the day sanctified. Keep it devoted to the Lord and enjoy the rest that you have in Christ. Okay? All right. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you for walking us through these commands. These commands have been, have been very, very difficult, God, because it is a mirror that shows us our sin. Uh, God, it's, it's, and, and none of us is above it. You know, in the study this week of the Sabbath, I, I've seen many ways in which I violate the Sabbath all the time. So God, I ask for your, I ask for your forgiveness for that, Lord, and I repent of that. I pray that you would help me to um, to better honor you on, on the Lord's Day and that you would, you would um, show me what that means in my heart, God, and that you would use the Word of God to inform and to mature my conscience, God, so that I would know what, uh, what your demands are, what your commands are, but it wouldn't be a burden for you given the Sabbath as a gift and what a gift it is, for we do take rest in you and we do love you and we do long to spend time um, just in relationship with you and in your word. And God, we pray that you would just help us to, to honor you in all things, help us to keep your day holy, God, and help us to worship rightly and to rest as you did in, uh, in creation. We thank you, God, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.